The peace of Christ be with you. As we get settled into this place, I invite you to slow down and take about three deep breaths to be settled into the presence of the Spirit. Sisters and brothers, let us worship the living God. Please rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. Bless us with a spirit of openness. Bless us with an awareness of loving kindness.
be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. It is good to be here with you today. I invite you after worship to a special reception. The Day family, in honor of Jack's baptism today, has provided a cake for our after worship reception. So I invite you to go and celebrate with the Day family. They've also provided these beautiful flowers in honor of Jack's baptism. So thank you to them. I want to introduce you to just a couple people that are with us today. First, sitting right here in the front is Michael Fearon. He is a child of the church, grew up in our youth groups, now um, is a video production company, and he's helping us with some videos for our stewardship campaign. So he'll be with us with his camera for the next couple weeks. So thank you, Michael, for being here. And then also, Ariah Chittick is our lector today. Thank you, Ariah, for being with us. Now let's join together in our community prayer. It's printed in your bulletin. Let us pray. In the face of how we can treat one another, we turn to you in prayer, O God, at the sight of the challenges and pressures we face. We turn to you in prayer. Out of our trust in what is possible, when we connect deeply, we turn to you in prayer. Grace us with creativity as we seek a more just and loving world. Ignite in us a passion for your peace. Ground us in your way. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, know that as children of God, we are loved tenderly. God continually brings us into God's embrace. By the life and the love of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are set free. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite forward our children to join Rob here at the steps. In addition, Jack's family can come forward here to the font and our clerk of session, Susan Burkout. And to this time, I want you to sit kind of on this side, okay, facing that way. But sit around here, will you? Great, great, great. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. We have to leave a little bit of room over here, so kind of be on the carpet or over. How about that? Unless you're Jack, in which case you get to have a front seat. Yep, this is that. Come on, come on, come on. So yeah, that will be first, and then, then we'll do the All right, well, today is a very special day in this church. Uh, we do this um, several times a year. They might know what we use that thing for, and by that thing, I'm talking about the, the thing that Bethany's taking the lid off of. What is that? They might know. That is. What do we? What's in there? Let's start there. Water, good. And in, in our tradition, we use water to symbolize certain things. We do something called baptism, where we put water in someone's head, which is our way of remembering how much God loves us. And in our tradition, it's a way of reminding one another how we're supposed to stick together and help take care of each other. And you all not only have a front row seat, but you have a special part in this baptism service because Jack. There's a little guy there in the vest. Yes, I know. I feel like that when I go to parties. Um, 
Uh, Jack, you're going to be closer to him than all the adults. And so today, today you're going to promise to be a special friend to him and help him find his way and have people to play with and learn about God and God's love. Okay, so when it's time, I'll, I'll tell you what your part is. Okay? So baptism is the sacrament through which we are united to Jesus Christ and given part in Christ's ministry of reconciliation. Baptism is the visible sign of an invisible event showing the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on God's beloved children. In baptism, God works in us the power of forgiveness, the renewal of the Spirit, and the knowledge of the call to be God's people always. So Kelly and Michael... Do you profess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you renounce evil, affirming your reliance on God's grace? Do you declare your intention to participate actively and responsibly in the worship and mission of the church? And do you declare your intention to provide for the Christian nurture of Jack? If so, please say we do. And now for the Godparent, do you promise according to the grace given you to grow with Jack in the Christian faith, helping him to be a faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ by nurturing him in God's love. If so, please say, I do. Please join me in the Congregational Covenant, which is printed in your bulletin. With joy and thanksgiving, we welcome Jack into Christ's Church. We promise to love encourage and support him and his family. We promise to share the good news of the gospel with him and help him to study, know, love, and serve Jesus Christ. Okay, it's our turn, gang. Now, uh, if you're following along in your bulletin, you are, that's good. Uh, You'll see there's a mistake there. Uh, Originally, we had that Jack would be our new sibling in Jesus Christ, but then we said, well, let's go ahead and make him a brother. But then somehow that got turned into son. So um, we're not reordering things. We're going to stick with brother, okay? So repeat after me. You can do better than that. Repeat after me. Oh, that's good. Jack is our new brother. In Jesus Christ. We promise to help him to know... God's love and grow up to be caring and helpful. We can all join in our baptism welcome song. us pray. Gracious and loving God, pour out your spirit on this water, that it might become living water. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jack, nothing like having everyone sing to you, right? (laughs) 
So what is his full name? Jackson Roger William Day. I baptize you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son. <laughs> One more. In the name of the Spirit. That is to say, in the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Sustainer. The Spirit be upon you, Jack, child of God, disciple of Christ. Amen. Do you want to come meet people or do you want to stay here with your family? Do you want to come? Can I come introduce you to some people? Yeah, come on, let's go. Look, we got all these people here. Look, here's Cal right here. He's your new brother in Jesus Christ. Let's come this way. We're going to scooch right by you, Cal, okay? Can we scooch by you? If people want to meet you, Jack. Well, or <laughs> he's just going to stick with Cal, actually, I think. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to meet some more people look this is eric right here he's a new brother in christ too i know it's kind of overwhelming there's a lot of people here you know they all they all just made promises to help help you learn about god's love look here's rosemarie she's a new sister in christ yep you met elsa there maybe this is as far as we're gonna go that's fine <laughs> That's totally fine, because look, you've got all these friends here, brothers and sisters in Christ, and they all just promise to help you learn and know about God's love. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. All right, we can come back here. Oh. All right. Please join in the oldest baptismal creed we have. It's the Apostles' Creed and is found on page 35 in the front of your hymnal. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We're getting extra baptized over here. I love it. So I have for you someone with an extra hand. I'll give it to you, the godmother, a certificate and a candle. So Jack, we invite you to light that candle on the anniversary of your baptism every year as you remember this important day. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for Jack and the commitments his family and this church congregation have made this morning. Bless him, we pray, that he may have strength for life's journey, courage in time of suffering, the joy of faith, the freedom of love, the hope of new life, through Jesus Christ who makes us one. Amen.
All right, let's go to Sunday school. <laughs> go now in peace. Again, it's good to be with so many of you on this Sunday morning. One of the ways that we take care of each other as a community is share what's going on in our lives that we might hold one another in prayer and in support. So if you have a joy or a concern, just raise your hand and uh, shout it out. Yeah, Barb. It's great to have Barb back with us, Associate Pastor Emeritus, after um, a broken foot, and she's on the mend, and thank you for all your support. Oh yeah, I see, um, I see a little one that I haven't seen before. I don't know if I'm supposed to out you or not, but uh, too late. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> Some of you know the journey toward adoption can be a long and uncertain one, and so we are so honored to meet little Grayson this morning. Um, I'll share one along those lines. I shouldn't say along those lines. We're not having a child. Um, I meant along the lines of joy. Um, Emily Spencer and Wendy Chun-Hoon are friends of mine in the back, and I was roommates with them in graduate school many years ago, and actually uh, went to junior high with one of them. Um, and uh, they live on the East Coast, but are here for uh, a birth of Emily's uh, brother had a baby. They were here, and uh, I was upstairs, and Bethany said, there are people here who say they know you. And I thought, well, I think most, most of the congregation knows me. But... <laughs> I walked down, and there they were, and I won't embarrass their children, but their children are here too, and it's wonderful to have you guys with us. Others? Susan. Yeah. Yeah. Susan reports that her husband, Lewis, has been down with... Um, a kidney stone. He was still sending me emails as the finance chair on Friday. Uh, yeah, you must have, yeah. So, um, as they say in the faith, these two, these things shall pass. <laughs> uh, Judith.
Thank you, Judy. So Kelly Lavick, who's a deacon, has had two strokes. And um, one of the things reported other than the fact that she's doing well is that meals have been signed up for her till November. So you may not be able to serve as a deacon, but if you can provide a meal, be in touch with one of the deacons and get on that list because these things can be lifesavers for folks. Bruce. Continued prayers for uh, Bruce's great niece, who we've been praying for for some time. Thanks, Bruce. Others? Yeah, please, Joe. That's wonderful. Joe reports on her husband, Steve, who's living with pancreatic cancer. Um, one treatment left before reevaluation, but they just had a wonderful family time together in Hawaii. Anyone else? Let's pray. Oh, no, go ahead. You don't know. We, don't, we, can, we can back up. It's okay. Catherine, go ahead. Oh. Thank you. Catherine was in Las Vegas this week, and so she lifts up to us that horrible tragedy, and we pray for all those involved. And, uh, and I mean this out of respect for the victims, in fact, really out of respect for the victims, that um, let our thoughts and prayers not, be, uh, not take the place of action, but be the doorway to, to action too. So we will do both. We will pray, and we will think about, um, and we will uh, rise to the occasion to help things be safer in this land. Let's pray. Holy One, we come to you with open hearts, with broken hearts, with hopeful or joyful hearts, Seeking your presence. Seeking a more loving way. Seeking to walk as Jesus did. In compassion. In courage. In boldness. And in humility. It's his prayer that we offer to you now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
first scripture reading is Psalm 19, 7-10. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to us. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of Lord are true, righteous and altogether. More to be desired than they are than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, the drippings of the honeycomb. This is the holy wisdom, holy word. And the second reading is perhaps the most well-known set of those ordinances. Come from the 20th chapter of Exodus, the first 17 verses. Listen for what the Spirit is continuing to say to the gathering this morning. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, am the Lord, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother, your parents, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, spouse, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Friends, this too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. We have been watching Ken Burns' special on the Vietnam War in my home. And no doubt that documentary has been eye-opening for people. And for others, it's opened far more than just eyes. Painful memories, perhaps strong feelings, I'm sure. Even open wounds, old and still raw after all these years. 
And I'm fully aware as I stand here that my direct experience of the Vietnam War amounts to an eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. and visiting the memorial. And I know that for many, including many here, those aren't just names. Those names are real people. What's been glaring to me, and we're only a few episodes in, we can only sort of do a little bit at a time, which I know is a luxury. But what's been glaring to me is how there are all these people of great power who, from the beginning, were unsure, had strong doubts about what we were getting into, and yet felt this pressure either from within or from around them or because of elections or or whatever, ideology, I don't know, that they gave themselves over to a cause they weren't sure about and the rest of us with them, and then how many of those later expressed regret. I was struck by one moment in one of the early episodes when a a veteran reflects, you know, I think I'm probably part of the last generation that believed their government would never lie to them. A poignant moment. A lot of lives were lost. Our side, their side even more. But it, it seems to me we lost more than that, if there is such a thing. Lost some innocence, I think. And I don't think it's overstating it to say we lost a little bit of our collective soul in that period of our history. Our our faith should give us something to work with in the midst of such chaotic circumstances and the complexity. It should give us some kind of order as how we should live. It's interesting that all the creation myths and stories in our religion and others often start with this theme of there's chaos and then sort of order sweeps in and allows life to unfold. Perhaps that it's a holy coincidence that today the Older Testament reading comes from Exodus and and the Ten Commandments, that most famous set of rules meant to give us some order. Unfortunately, however, we have kind of a funny relationship with them. They either become political chess pieces where there's attempts to put them on courthouse lawns or take them off courthouse lawns, or they're just written off as archaic and not worth our time. And neither, of course, understands them very well, and really, neither takes them very seriously. And then we hear this refrain, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not, and we hear in that repressiveness And the grand irony, of course, is the Ten Commandments were born out of freedom. As the story goes, the people were finally free of Egypt, the narrow place where they were slaves. And they needed to figure out how to order their life. And so they were given these as a gift. And I know it sounds repressive with the you shall nots. But if you read them with fresh eyes, they amount to this. Just don't kill each other. Right? That's basically what it says. Just don't kill each other. Don't steal each other's stuff. Don't steal each other's spouses. Don't even want to steal each other's stuff. And don't kill each other. That's kind of it. They're teeming with freedom. Everything else is fine. And yet that freedom hasn't been so easy to manage. Well, you could do a sermon or a series on each of those commandments. And so 
uh, I've gotten approval to extend worship till three today. And if. <laughs> 245? Uh, but we won't do that. We'll do, I just want to lift up one and just for a few moments. Uh, I, I choose it because it has a particular effect on ordering our lives in a productive way. And, and secondly, I choose it because it's the one commandment I can think of that we routinely brag about breaking. And I say that because some of my clergy colleagues are the worst defenders of it. Remember the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Now, I'm not talking about going to church on Sunday. I hate to break it to you. This is not the Sabbath. The Sabbath is Saturday, right? Our Jewish friends will tell us that. This is supposed to be the Lord's Day. It's a mini resurrection day. It's a mini Easter every Sunday. I'm not... Uh, as concerned when it is uh, for Christians, but that it is. And it's amazing how easy uh, it is for us to violate the Sabbath in our current culture and how our culture gives us such strokes for doing so. I mean, you can work all the time. You can shop anytime you want You can and should be productive all the time, right? How many of us, if we were given a half day off, sort of a surprise, found time, how many of you would make a list of things you want to get done in your free time, right? What is that about? I I just finished this wonderful book called If Nuns uh, Ruled the World. Of course, if nuns ruled the world, they wouldn't rule the world. That's the secret. But (laughs) sisters have us beat on that. But there's this great episode uh, where one of the nuns confronts a certain congressman about the the morality of the proposed budget. And the congressman is an avowed Catholic. And uh, so she finally gets a meeting with him. And he wants to impress her to butter her up at the beginning of the meeting because he knows what she's coming for. And so he says to her, thinking this will impress her, you know, sister, I I have a cot in my office and I often sleep in my office on a cot. And she looks at him and says, is that good for you or for your family? But see, he'd been taught, like we've been taught, that that's what it means to be faithful, is to work all the time. And she lifts up that idolatry right before his eyes. And we get locked into this cycle to do more and to make more so you can get more. And like any addiction, it only feeds itself and the hunger gets greater and greater so you're never actually satiated. It just perpetuates itself until eventually it just collapses in. And if you've had this in your own life, you know that it's not sustainable and it eventually collapses. I think actually ecologically that's what's happening right now is we've built this system. It's that we're uh, consuming more than we can feed and it's collapsing and we're watching it collapse. And the church's role is not to stand up and just sort of make the best of it and just go along, as Brian McLaren says, to be chaplains to an extractive economy. No, no, the church's job, as, as imperfect as it is, is to lift up a different way of being that breaks a cycle and has maybe a new order to life that is sustaining and life-giving rather than life-robbing.
And that's why the Ten Commandments are so helpful to us today. Oh, of course they were born out of a different world. But Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann reminds us that ancient Egypt and ancient Israel's liberation from that also was part of an exhaustive system, an exhaustive economy, you could say. And Brueggemann talks about our current context and says we're locked into a cycle of endless production and consumption. That's killing us. And the answer, he says, is neither more production nor more consumption. He says the antidote is biblical and it's Sabbath. Rest as resistance. Pull yourself out of that endless cycle of production and consumption. He uses, he draws on the, the Hebrew word nefesh, which simply means the self or life or the soul. And he says when you honor Sabbath, when you take rest regularly, this gift we've been given, you re-self, you re-nefesh, you regain your life. You get your soul back. You get yourself back. Doesn't that sound good? Wouldn't you like that? So why is it so difficult for us to take a break, to stop? Why is that so hard for us? I've been indoctrinated into it, but why is it so hard to do that? I've noticed, I've worked uh, primarily in ministry in affluent, sort of really high-functioning contexts. And one of the things I've observed is a franticness of activity, almost feverish. Do you, does this resonate? I'm not trying to accuse you. I'm trying to observe. Just a fever pitch of activity. And I've come to realize over the years that at least some of it is due to this undercurrent of guilt. A guilt uh, that people carry because they have too much. And they recognize when they look around at the world how much they have versus how much others don't have. And they see the suffering and they feel all this guilt. Now, I suppose it could be worse. People could have all this stuff and then and, and feel great about it and, and not care at all about the suffering and the injustices of others. That would be, of course, the worst case scenario. But I, I don't think the point of all this is, for, is guilt and shame. The point of all this is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the last person who's going to tell you to stop your frenetic activity, much of which is charitable. That's the interesting thing. All these boards and volunteering and doing service and frenetic energy for good. I'm the last person who's going to tell you to stop that, right? To stop serving others. That's the point, right? But I'll be the first person to tell you to stop it if you're actually doing it to assuage your own guilt or to launch into some veiled chase for your own validity because that's not where you're going to find it. I was at my spiritual director a couple of weeks ago who also happens to be a Catholic nun and she was reminding me, she was reminding me of one of the foundations of the Reformation. There's an irony for you. <laughs> and she said, remember what your movement is all about. You need to do nothing to earn God's favor or to become valid or to be affirmed. 
that you were fundamentally created good and God's activity has blessed you long before you could do anything about it. As Paul Tillich would say, fundamentally you are accepted. You need to do nothing chasing nothing to become accepted. You are accepted. Henry Nouwen would say, you are fundamentally beloved. So all those good things we do, which we should do, we should do not out of obligation or out of guilt or out of some fear, but out of joy and gratitude for a belovedness that we cannot outrun, no matter how fast we move. All joy. And the sadness then, the sadness is we carry around this fever, some of us, slow-grade fever of anxiety and guilt, and we reject the antidote God gave us in the Sabbath. Because when you rest, another thing that happens is just without even trying, you start to reflect on your life. And you have room finally to say, is this what I want my life to look like? Is this what I want my community to look like? What I want my nation to look like? What I want our world to look like? And my theory is one of the reasons we don't take a break is because we're afraid of what we might hear in the silence and what we might recognize in that space. And so we just push on rather than accepting this great gift of time and of rest and of peace. Now, I know there will be some here, and I'm glad for them because they keep us honest, who will say, well, this sounds an awful lot like navel-gazing. This is very Marin. Let's just look more inside and close ourselves off when the world is filled with injustice and filled with pain and filled with suffering and poverty. And who are we to take days and just relax? Point taken. But I would respectfully submit to you that a lot more damage has been done in this world by high-functioning people who are unreflective than by contemplatives who move a little more slowly through the world. And I would offer you that challenge. Because I think of those names on the wall, on that monument in D.C., and the 19-year-olds who they belong to. And I don't know but I wonder what they would say to us if they could become people again for a few moments and they could have bodies again and voices again. What would they say to us? Would they say, move fast, hurry up, do something? Maybe they would. Or would they say, slow down? Let's think through this. Let's talk through this. Let's listen for the wise voices in our midst. Let's do everything we can, and we might make a mistake, but let's do everything we can to make sure at the end of it, we don't regret it. All the you shall nots are just meant to keep us from killing each other. But remember the Sabbath. That's there so we can get our lives back so you can get yourself back. And so collectively, we can get our soul back.
This is uh, stewardship season, as you may know, and so at this time I invite Steve Deeney Ford for a moment for stewardship. Steve. Good morning. So um, I, 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 they've asked me to talk about stewardship, and I, I was thinking about it, and I was writing my thoughts down this morning when one of my daughters, and you might know me more because of my daughters. I have the two uh, three-and-a-half-year-old twins that bounce through the aisles, and they have all the hair. So, uh, (laughs) unfortunately, they couldn't be here today. And so when I was writing down my uh, comments, um, and I was thinking about what I was going to say, one of my daughters, Louisa, came, and she started crying that she couldn't come to church. And which I find she's sick and we wouldn't let her come. And, and I thought that was a, what a foreign concept to me because I, I grew up Catholic and when I was a child, I didn't, Sundays, I'd rather stay at home. So, um, but I think that speaks to the community here uh, at Westminster. Um, you know, my daughters love coming here. Um, we love coming here as a family. I love seeing my daughters come up to the front and then when they're dismissed, watching an older child that they only know from church grab her hand or take her back um, and watching them play and watching them grow and feeling the love of this community. And that is really a manifestation of God's love in all of us. So why do we give? Um, I thought it was interesting that they asked, I'm a professional fundraiser. So, the, <laughs> so I, I, I thought it was really interesting that they asked me to come up and talk about giving. Just random. Yeah. Just random. <laughs> um, so, so my family, unlike like so many of the families here, we, we give. And we, we give to our charities, our schools. Um, and in times of need, we donate to those special causes that, that swoop in. But why do we give here? And really, we give here because of the community, because of the love. 
And, and I honestly believe, in a, in, a, in a kind of a weird way, it's an investment. I'm investing in this community so the love can grow, so that, that this community can thrive, so the message of God, the God's love with my children, and uh, can just continue to grow. So we're blessed to give to this community. We're blessed to be part of this community. And uh, in this time of stewardship, I hope that all of you will consider joining us uh, because God thrives in a community like this, and, and we need more of this. So thank you. Gracious God, we give you thanks for the generosity of this congregation in time, talent, and treasure. Bless these gifts that they might be used for righteous causes. In your precious name, amen. You may be seated.
as always, take a look at your bulletins for a sense of all that's happening in the life of this community. And I should say, too, visit the website often to see updates and articles and all sorts of resources. A few to highlight. On the stewardship note, if you need a packet, there are extra ones available in the entryway in the narthex. Uh, Likewise, uh, we've been making a push toward online giving and even online pledging, and we're in a transition year, so that's been confusing for some. But uh, Martha is, where's Martha? Wave your hand. Martha can help you if you're having trouble set up your online giving this week after church, and we'll have other weeks where you can get a little tutorial if you need it. We want to make it as easy for you as possible. A couple of other uh, items. Mary Kay Sweeney is here from Homeward Bound. We're doing this second. Oh, there she is. Wave. Great. Mary Kay, great to see you. Um, uh, She's going to be continuing. We're doing a two-week series on new approaches to working... um, to eliminate homelessness in Marin, and so she will be leading um, a discussion in Fireside Room up down the hallway after the service. I certainly encourage you to be there for that. At 2 o'clock in Mill Valley, we will do a Blessing of the Animals service at the dog park there. So uh, bring animals, likenesses of animals, uh, or just carry them in your heart if you want to come uh, for that, it'll be a brief blessing, then a little bit of time to play. And finally, uh, the animals to play. I mean, you can play too. But um, Finally, there is a new member orientation. So even if you didn't sign up, but you'd like to join the congregation, meet me in the library just down the hall on the right um, after the receiving line uh, for about an hour and uh, get to know the church a little bit. And then if you'd like to join, uh, uh, begin that process. I think that's it. And so with that, as you are able in body or spirit, please rise for our closing hymn number 482.
I invite you all to think of Jack today, little Jack who we baptized earlier. When you're out enjoying this lovely day with family or friends or some time in solitude, pray for him and for his life and for his family, which you are now a part of, and for the world that he will inherit. And do your part in making that world a more loving and kind place. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day and every day. Amen. Amen.